Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. It's eight days to Christmas. Come on. We've waited all year long for the eight days away, and we're excited about that. Hey, I was at a ball game Friday night, Hebron and Morgan. Now, here's what I discovered. We've got Heartland people that you actually have a mouth and lungs, because I heard some of you, and I saw some of you. Hebron people, there were some Hebron people there, and... uh, So just a heads up, let you know, pretend you're at homecoming today, okay? Just pretend, and you're okay to shout out a little bit and enjoy the service. I'm always amazed how people think the ballgame should be more exciting than church. This is where it's all happening. You understand that? Come on. Yeah. I I want you to grab your worship guide, and hey, inside there, if you haven't noticed, we're, we're, we're doing a drawing on a motorcycle. We have a 2003 anniversary edition. We're 75 tickets away. Somebody could win that bike by Christmas. I'd love to be able, if you're within 50 miles, we're going to deliver this bike to you. So if you ride a motorcycle, you in, if you want to learn to ride a motorcycle this year, to be a part of Full Throttle, then you need to buy your ticket right there at the QR code. Just do that. That's just the PR. Welcome North Judson and Wanita and Heber. Come on, would you welcome them today to our service this morning? And uh, by the way, Pastor Matthew, Pastor Levi, I checked the cameras. You guys got a good crowd over there this morning, so I'm expecting you guys to help me preach this morning. I want you to grab your Bibles and uh, open to Matthew chapter 2. We're, we're staying on uh, this questions around Christmas theme that we'll look at next week. We'll kind of wrap it up on Christmas Eve, Sunday morning. But, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth, and and Zechariah struggled with how can I believe it's true. In other words, we talked about that you and I can trust the promises of God. Last week, we looked at Mary and Mary's response and saying, how could it be? You know, you're going to have a child. She's a a young girl, 14, 13, 14 years old. She's a virgin, never been with a man. How can it be? How could it happen? And I, I challenge you to look at that. I believe Mary asked that question out of curiosity, not out of unbelief. And my challenge to us last week during this season that we go around in our culture and what would happen if we would become more curious of how God could use us during this Christmas time? How could we have a lot of curiosity in God? What can you do with me and through me during this season? And this morning, I want to look at the story that's built around the Magi, these these, uh, Magi that come to to see the Christmas star. They they notice something happening in in the sky and I was amazed when I, when I read this story of the commitment that, that we see in this story of these magi, uh, the, these kings coming to worship the king of the Jews. They, they saw this star, and it had a profound effect on them. 
Listen, God can speak to us through his creation. You understand that? And he does that sometimes. I'm, I'm not a nature you know, worshiper. I'm not a tree hugger. But I, I do, when, I, when I'm out riding my bike or out, I, I see the creation right now. There's a lot of beautiful moons that happen during this season. A sunrise is coming up in the east is beautiful. And you, you see that sometimes. You can't help but just stop and say, wait a minute, God, you, your hand is in the creation. And these magi see that, and it moves them to, to, to do some amazing things. We're going to look at that now. Just to build the foundation about this story, Herod is a very corrupt king of his time. We'll, we'll see in a minute how that he was disturbed what was happening, and he, he brought these magi into the palace secretly, trying to get some inside information, and Herod just wanted to, uh, he had the viciousness of destruction. He wanted to kill the baby Jesus. He had no intending attention to worship Jesus. So these magi will, will lead Herod, and, and they will go let the star lead them to the place where they would worship the newborn Jesus. And Matthew tells us this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. This verse, they, they, they ask this question. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now watch this. The, the, the revelation of the birth of Jesus brought them that they would travel. Most, most theologians agree that they traveled some eight or 900 miles to, to come to, to Bethlehem to find Jesus. Verse 3 says, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So at some point, the religi religious leaders of that day, chief priests, scribes, Herod called all of them into the, in, into the palace. They have a conversation, but they have little interest in what's happening in the manger. And, and when, I, when I start reading this story, before I get to the three things I want to share, what, what it brings my attention to the fact that we have to understand that when we come to Christmas season, not everybody is excited about Christmas. You understand that. Not everybody shares the same type of joy that we share. Matter of fact, the history behind us saying Merry Christmas versus Happy Christmas is tied to the fact that happiness has to do with an emotion. Merry, the, the word Merry has to do with a behavior. What Merry Christmas has to do with what are we doing in this season that we're in? What are we, how is it changing our behavior? We're going to see that with the Magi, with Hera, with Herod, and also with the scribes and Pharisees. But let me, let me just touch just very briefly on, on, this, on the, the, the point that the holidays can be a, a very sad time for, for a lot of people. If study, study after study tells us that sadness and depression is often tied around the holiday season for so many people. Loneliness happens that, you know, everyone, everybody in our culture today, they don't have a strong family group of family and friends to tie to. And, and that's why many times when you come into the holidays, 
they, they feel extremely lonely. While some people have got family and they got gatherings, they got, they got places to go, there are, there are so many people in our culture today, they, they have this, this, this family breakage. They have this, this family dysfunction going on. So when you get to this season, to everybody, Merry Christmas is not necessarily a behavior that they want to be involved in. Does that make sense? You know, matter of fact, there's some studies that talk about that people that have been traumatized often or experience a disturbing, distressful event sometimes during their life often is tied around holiday seasons, alcoholism, uh, drug abuse, all of those things arise up. And we've got families and kids that grew up in families where the Christmas season was a time that dad and mom just kind of went off the deep end. And a lot of times they, they found themselves traumatized during that season. So they get to this season and it's not a Merry Christmas for them. Does that make sense? I just, so, so, and, and then lastly, just simply the financial distress that so many people have during the holiday season. There's so much culture pressure on families to buy the gifts, to get the, uh, the, the, the current item, to get the, the, you know, the, 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 the best gift, the game that's going on, the clothes, whatever. And so many families find themselves into uh, financial problems during the Christmas season because they, they spend a lot of stuff on credit. Come on. And then January and February comes out and it all starts hitting home. And then, then yeah, then everything hits the fan. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. So, so I, I tell you that just, just to tell us, just to bring us to the fact that we want to be mindful of the fact that this is not necessarily a merry season for everybody. But what I want us to do, to look at Matthew chapter 2, and I want, us to, I want us to think about the Magi that was there, Herod, and then think about these chief priests and scribes and how the Christmas story and message, how they, how they responded to it. So, so in your notes, I want you to write this. For, for some people, Christmas message is an inspiring message. It's in, look at your neighbor and say, Christmas inspires me. Come on. Come on. Matthew chapter 2 talked about these wise men that, that uh, uh, the, the, the chapter 2, it talks about this, that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, there came wise men from the east. Now, now most of what we know or we, we have discussions or most of the plays that we see is built around wise men. It's myth or legend. Scripture doesn't give us a lot of information about that. They're just kind of these mysterious characters that seem to show up. And most people assume that when it comes to wise men, there were three wise men. And where do we get that? We get it from the three gifts that they brought, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought gold representing his kingship. They brought frankincense that represented the priesthood of Christ. And they brought myrrh that would represent for the, for the burial of Christ. But so, so most of our concept is built around, well, there had to be three. Well, the Bible doesn't say that there were three. Matter of fact, many theologians say there could have been 300 magi. You understand? that This is a group of people. We, 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 we don't know exactly about that, but very likely they came out of Persia. That's modern-day Iran. They had to travel eight to 900 miles 
in order to come to Jesus so that they could worship him. Now, how, what, what moved them, what compelled them to sacrifice the way that they did? It, it probably took them four, five, maybe six months to make this track, to make this travel. And again, most theologians believe that the Magi, they, they knew some of the writings of the prophet Daniel. Daniel 9.24 talks about the prophecy of Jesus' birth. They, they knew about Balaam's prophecy. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, there's some 300 prophecies that dealt with Jesus, that Jesus fulfilled all 300 prophecies to the T. But there's over 50 prophecies that just dealt with the birth of Jesus. So, so, so these wise men probably had some type of information. So write this down. Listen, somehow or another, revelation came to them. Revelation came to them. Magi, they, they're this group of priests. They live in this region of Persia. And Magi is, is derived from their, their astrologers. They, astronomy, they, they look at the stars. They study the stars. It's the reason why in verse 2 says that we have, we have seen his star in the east. They, they took note of the presence of the star, and it, and it drew them into interest. Now, now, we know that they were Jews who lived in Babylon because Daniel was one of those Jews. Remember the story of Daniel? I don't have time, but, but I put this verse in your note about Daniel. Daniel 2.48, the king made Daniel a great man, gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon. And the chief of the governors and over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, what's this? Daniel had insight. Now, get this. This is what I want you to get. Daniel had insight of the coming of the Messiah. He had, he had revelation that somehow or another God prophesied that there would be the one. There would be the deliverer. There would be the king of the Jews. And it's likely that he shared that information with those other wise men, those other those magi that was around him. Now, listen. Either way, we know that somehow or another, these, these magi had a conversation. Revelation come to them. They see this star, but something inside of them had to be triggered to know that that star would represent Christ that would compel them to move forward and go search after this star that would take them four or five months to find it. Okay? You understand that? So, so here, here's, here's what, what does it mean to us? It's much like what you and I have to understand today. Most people still find their way to Jesus through another human being that has flesh and blood. Listen, can, can God give us revelations? Can God give us dreams? Can, can God show? Absolutely. But listen, do you know statistics still tell us that 75 to 90% of people Come to know Jesus Christ through a friend or through a family member. 75 to 90%. Listen, special needs. Somebody that has a crisis in their life, 1% to 2% people will, will, will search out God. Just walking off the street, just driving by and say, hey, I saw a church. I wonder, 2 to 3% will find Christ that way. A pastor... Five to six percent will come to know Christ just through just through sermons like I'm preaching today. Uh, visitation, one to two percent. Crusade, less than half percent. 
but family and friend, relative, is still 75 to 90%. In spite of all the mystery surrounding these wise men, listen, we know that somewhere revelation come to them, conversation came to them that, that caused them to respond to what was happening. You understand that? So here, here's what I'm challenging. Listen, you and I live in a culture and a time right now. It's so important for us to be willing to take what we know, the revelation we have, the life change that we have, and constantly be looking for people in our sphere of influence that we can share that message with. Because that's, well, listen, that's what the Holy Spirit uses to trigger the, the, the heart to want to chase after or seek after God when they, when they wake up to the void and the emptiness and inside. People are not going to come to Christ in Northwest Indiana by us just coming here and sitting on our blessed assurance and us getting full every day and keeping our mouth shut. Come on. That's good preaching right there. Now listen, this church, our campuses, we are amazing at doing it. You, you share, you invite, and that's incredible. What I'm challenging you with, listen, so many times the revelation will, will come that, that causes, secondly, the response from these guys. They have this revelation, having heard that the king of the Jews was born, having seen the star. Listen, what was their response? Their response was action. They, they left behind their homeland. They, they started traveling eight, nine hundred miles, what, in pursuit of Jesus. Their response wasn't just a mental response. They, they didn't just say, oh, it's nice that the king of the Jews has been born in Bethlehem. We believe it, and that's enough. No, listen, long before James ever wrote in the New Testament, faith without works is dead, these Wise men knew that. Listen, too many people know the facts of Christmas, but the facts never move them to acts. Come on. We, we, listen, we, listen. We, we know about Jesus, but we, but we do nothing about Jesus. The, these men responded with action. And what did their action do? It caused them to respond with, with, with adoration. The Bible said, we've seen his star. What did we do? We, we, you know, we just didn't check it off on our, on our things to do. You know, I, I, I saw the star. Accomplished that. It wasn't a bucket list. The, the Bible said when they saw the star, they said, we have come. Five, four, five months. We travel eight, nine hundred miles. What do we do? We come to do what? Worship Him. Listen, they they come to offer worship to this child. My question to us often is very simple. Coming in, we're closing out twenty twenty three, getting ready for twenty twenty four. What would happen if we decided? Every weekend, when it was time to go to church, whether yours is Thursday night, whether yours is 8.15 or 9, what if we decided that every time that we chose and we say, today's the day, we, we see the calendar, we know the time, and we come to worship, give Him adoration, sing about Him, talk about Him, declare His glory, declare His might. You, you think it might change our world around us? Here's the sad thing. It breaks my heart today. 
Going to church for so many people is like a bucket list. You check it off for that week. You did it. Where's the life change? What is God challenging us to do in, in, in our spirit? Sadly, we come to this Christmas season, and Jesus is almost, listen, he, it's a strange celebration. Everybody gets gifts except the one whose birthday it is we're celebrating. Jesus should get the greatest gift, right? Come on. Pastor Matt made mention, what, what would happen next Sunday if we decided beyond our tithe, beyond our normal, we just brought Jesus just a, a special gift off, say, you know what, Jesus, I just want to celebrate your coming. And we, we know December 25th is not his actual birthday, but it's when we celebrate it. And the, the message of Jesus and him coming in this world should, should fill us with holiday merriness that, that it inspires us to pursue him with passion. I read the other day, there's a legend. Again, it's a legend. It's not, but the, the legend is that one day Satan is meeting with all of his little demons and they are having their own holiday party. And one of his little evil demons comes up to Satan and smiles real big and says, Merry Christmas, your majesty. And Satan responds, said, yes, and let's keep it merry because if, they, if the Christians ever get serious about it, then we'll be in trouble. Now think about that. If we really got serious that this is a season that we celebrate the King of kings and the Lord and lords has come into this world, that he came in this world so that you and I one day might be able to spend eternity with him. If we ever got serious about the fact that he come as the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the, the, the one that would do miracles and, and give us power to live in this broken world. Listen, if we ever got serious about it, let me tell you, this world would be in trouble. So my challenge to us is this season is, what would happen if this season inspired us to do something we have never done. These guys had never done this. They had never made that eight, nine hundred mile trip to, to Bethlehem for this purpose of worshiping the king. Well, what if this season inspired us to respond to him in a way like we've never responded before? Just put a pin in that. I'm going to come back to that and just say, now I want you to look at the second character in this, in this story. It's Herod. For some, Christmas is an intimidated message. Now, you, you, you think about this, normally a baby being born in Bethlehem, it shouldn't be worrisome anyway. I, I'm sure there was other babies being born prior to Jesus and even after Jesus. You know, Herod has all the babies killed, right? We, 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 we know the rest of the story, what he does, his vicious. But, but nevertheless, we read about Herod is that when King Herod heard these things, the Bible says he was Troubled. Nobody says he was troubled. Now, when you read the full Christmas story, when you really have a revelation of what's happening, of Christ coming into this world to be king, listen, it, it increasingly it, we have to acknowledge that for some people in our world today, the Christmas story is intimidated to them. The Christmas story causes us to have to look in the mirror, and two things happen. For Herod, Jesus coming, it represented a challenge that Jesus represented. Now, what's this? 
He was challenged. Now, it's not hard to figure out if you're the king and you hear that, you, you know, you're the, king of, you, you're the king of Judea, you know, you've been appointed by the Roman government, but all of a sudden you get the message that there's been a heaven-sent king that's come down to this earth. I've heard this story from these wise men that come from the east. Clearly, Herod starts feeling challenged, doesn't he? Because listen, for Jesus to reign on his throne, what does that mean? Herod has to step down off of his throne. Come on, are you with me? No, what's this? Most people in this room, people watching, North Johnson, Watertown, Hebron, most people online, listen, most of us don't have the, 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 the violence in our heart to do to Jesus what, what Herod wanted to do, right? Come on. We, we most of us don't want to kill babies because we, we think one baby was born that, that might challenge us. But nevertheless, listen, there are so many people today that we still oppose Jesus in our life for the same reason, because we have to recognize in order for Jesus to be the king of my heart, it means I cannot be. In order for Jesus to be first place and take his rightful place, it means I've got to take a back seat. Now, we're not intimidated, particularly by a little baby in a manger. We're okay with seeing those little photos and those little manger scenes. But what bothers us is we know that that little baby grows up into a man and he starts asking questions like this in Luke 6 and 46. Why call me Lord, Lord, and you do not the things which I say? Now, wait a minute, Jesus. You're getting in my business now. Come on. I'm okay to celebrate you as a baby. I'm okay to ooh, gah, gah, gah. But wait a minute, you're talking about you coming, and now you're going to be the king of my life? It now means that you've got to, I've got to give you every, every, every opportunity to have all the space in my life? Wait a minute, hold the phone, Jesus. I don't mind singing silent night, holy night. But please don't ask me to sing, I surrender all. Hello? Am I preaching yet? What, 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 what is, listen, what is I surrender? Oh, listen, we, we recognize that Jesus challenges us. He would say, if any man come after me, we have to deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow him. Now again, Herod knew that a king had been born. But by believing Anything less that Jesus would be king of kings and lord of lords. Listen, you, you cannot be king of your own life and follow Jesus at the same time. I'm just being honest with you. The reason why some of us, when we come to this season, we struggle a little bit because this season is when God gives us a new revelation of what's happening. And in the midst of that revelation, we get challenged just a little bit. That Listen, and we have to ask the question, has, has he really had preeminence all of my life this year? For King Herod, the message of Christmas was intimidated because the challenge that Jesus represented. But secondly, there was a change that Jesus would require. Now, what's this? <laughs> when, when I first began to read this text, there's a statement that just stood out to me. 
It says, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. And I couldn't understand that. He's a king. They talk about a king. You've got to get off your throne. But then it, the Bible says, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, again, I can understand why Herod's worried. But I'm surprised to read, why was all of Jerusalem troubled? You, you would think Jerusalem would be would be eager to welcome this new promised ruler. I mean, this is the seed of David whose kingdom would be in Jerusalem. And yet the Bible said they too were troubled. Now what's this? Here, this is my thought. I'm thinking, okay, God, why? Why? I can understand Herod. I can understand why he's that way. Why would all of Jerusalem be troubled? And the only thing that I can come up with at this moment is that Jesus represented change, and they were all comfortable with status quo. Hello? Isn't that what happens with Jesus sometimes? That you know, they 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 didn't now listen, history tells us they didn't like Herod. The people didn't listen, they hated living under the the, the rulership of Rome. But while they hated Herod and hated living, listen, they, they just wasn't eager for any change in their life. They were just comfortable with status quo. Now, again, what, what happens at Christmas is it, we, we, we have to begin to understand that when we start saying, I surrender all. Jesus, you, you take preeminence preeminent in my life. Then all of a sudden, we've got to recognize that there may be some change that happens. Now, I, w I was talking not long ago. I was witnessing to this guy that we've been talking to a little bit. And, and he readily admitted to me. He said, you know, Pastor Phil, he said, I just be honest. I'm not really ready to be saved. I, I know what God wants me to do. I know, I know things that I need to stop doing. I, knew, I know things that I need to start doing. And he said, I'll be honest with you, I'm just not ready for those major changes in my life. Now listen, I pray for him daily. I still have conversation. But listen, and I respect his honesty. But the, but the reality is that there are people in our culture today, they're, they're not like the Magi and they're inspired by his coming, we get intimidated because Jesus represents, not only he challenges we're, who, who's sitting on the throne, he challenges us to say, listen, sometimes there has to be change in your life. Dr. Maxwell says that people change when they hurt enough that they have to change. They hurt enough, they have to change. They, they learn enough that they want to change or they receive enough that they're able to change. Now, just think about this. In our world today, there, 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 are, there are unavoidable pains in our life. And then there are unnecessary pains in our life. We live in this broken world. Things don't happen right. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Think, listen, we live in a world where there are some pains that are unavoidable. You understand that? Not because you're a bad person. It's because you're a human person. We live in a broken world. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. There are some things that are unavoidable. But listen, there are some pains that are just unnecessary. Why 
would you make that decision to open yourself up to this kind of pain? And yet people make them. You follow me? There's people that make unnecessary pain happen in their life simply by their choice and their decision not to allow Jesus to be King of kings and Lord of lords of all. So some people change because they hurt enough, they just simply, they fall apart and they say, Pastor, you know, this is, Jesus is my last resort. And listen, I, I will pray for that person just as eagerly as I pray for somebody who's learned enough or who has, who has received enough information. They say, you know what, Pastor, I've got a revelation. I know who I am. I know who God is. I know my purpose. I know God's got his hand upon my life. Guess what? I want to change. I want to surrender all. I want to give up everything. I want to let Jesus Christ control. I've seen the star. I've had the revelation. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. I want Jesus to lead me the rest of my life. Isn't that amazing? And it does happen. There's some of you sitting in this room and in Watertown and North Johnson and Hebron. Listen, your life changed because one day you showed up and you started reading the Bible. You started talking to somebody in a small group. You started having a conversation and you discovered, I don't have to live like that anymore. Come on, you understand. All of a sudden, the light come on. You said, wait a minute. This is unnecessary pain. I don't have to make those choices. I don't have to walk down that path. I don't have to live like that. There's a better way to live, and I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus, and he brings radical change in our life. Somebody say amen to that. So what's this? I got hurt. For some, the message is inspired. Herod, it was intimidating. But then for some... The message is just insignificant. It's insignificant. Now, notice what Herod did once he received, he heard from the wise men about the newborn. Verse 4 says he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, and he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Now, now, again, remember, chief priests and scribes, these are religious leaders of that day. They're Jewish leaders. They're, they're the ones in the temple teaching. They're overseeing the spiritual life in Jerusalem. The, the, these men are scriptural scholars. Remember I told you there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus would fulfill every one of them. There's over 50 concerning his birth. These scribes and Pharisees, listen, they have been exposed to those prophecies. They've read them. They might have even quoted them. And yet, listen, instead of them being inspired, they're not intimidated, but guess what? It's just insignificant. They, they just have, they just respond with indifference. Even though they had consciousness of it, it never moved them into doing anything. Now, sadly, in our culture today, it's the response that many of our culture are having. It's an interesting story, Pastor Phil. I mean, just, it, makes a, it makes a great play. I love, to, I love to go to the nativity scene. I love to see little baby. I love to see Mary. I love to see Joseph. I love this. I just, I mean, it is, it is, it is so exciting. But what are you doing about it? 
Listen, these, these scribes and Pharisees, write it down, they had all the facts. You know how we know they had all the facts? Listen, they, they pointed Herod to the Old Testament Micah's prophecies. They gave, they gave reference to Micah in Bethlehem of Judea. For, for, for this it is written by the prophet. They even quoted it in verse 6 of Matthew. He said, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judea. From out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. They had all the facts. They knew what the Bible said about him. Yet you don't see them rushing out of Herod's presence to go and find this baby and worship him. They know the facts. They can recite the scriptures. But they don't believe them. They don't believe them. Oh, I, I, know, I know what the Bible says, Pastor. I just, well, your actions are telling me you don't really believe that. You follow me? Now again, this is just something we're we're navigating through. God, I want this, I want this Christmas to be different. I want I want to respond with with, with by by being inspired. Tulsa, Oklahoma, they did a, a local study. They did a study, they asked a quiz, they had 15 questions concerning the, the biblical account of the birth of Jesus. Listen, the average score was 74%. At the end of the story, they said, perhaps people do understand the meaning of Christmas. They do know the basic details and even the facts when it comes to Christmas. We know the facts, but we have none of the faith. You hear with me? Oh, we know. oh, I can tell you the story, Pastor Phil. How has it changed your life? How has it moved you? One would almost, listen, when you read this story, one would almost expect that these religious leaders, as they, as they retold the story to Herod, as they, as they recalled the prophecy that Micah had wrote and others, that they would just start running in the direction of the, of, the, of the birthplace of Jesus. But Matthew, he's unable to record that story. They knew much. Now watch this. They knew much, but they did little. They did a little. Their heads are full of knowledge, but their hearts are empty of true saving faith. My concern, listen, my concern, come on, Pastor Lindsay, my concern is that in our culture today, particularly the American culture, some of you are watching this, you're out of seas, you're overseas, my concern is in the American culture, we we know about the angels, we know about Mary, we know about Joseph, we know about the manger scene, we know about the shepherds, we know about the magi, we know all the facts. But it doesn't move us to faith. It doesn't cause us to say, wait a minute, what we have longed for is happening. These priests and scribes, they return to their, to their temple giving little thought to the message. While we read about the shepherds in Luke 2 and 15, the Bible said the shepherds said, let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. 
which the Lord has made known unto us. My challenge is, listen, I don't want us to simply know the facts. I want us to know the person of the facts, and the person of the facts moves us to faith. Millions will celebrate Christmas in in eight days. And again, not everybody feels the same way about Merry Christmas. For some, it's intimidating. For some, it reminds us there was a baby born over 2,000 years ago, and he grew up to be King of kings, Lord of lords, and he has to be Lord of all, or he has to be, or he will be Lord not at all. And it intimidates us. There's some of us in this room, some of us at our campuses, watch it as 2023 closes and we, we morph into 2024. It's going to be a tremendous year, I'm going to tell you. I, I'm t- I know politically there's things, but spiritually, 2024 is a leap year. Did you know that? We have, we, it happens every four years. 2024 is a leap year. It's going to be a year we leap in faith. <laughs> Woo! It's going to be exciting. But as we close out 2023 and we get closer to 2024 and we hang out around this Christmas story, we have to ask ourselves, is, does this story intimidate me? Does it, have I got to the place where it's insignificant? When these, when these magi seen the star and they knew it was from the star from the message that they had been told by Daniel and the other Old Testament. The Bible said they went four or five months, 800, 900 miles. Can you imagine the conversations that went around the campfire during that four or five months? God, it's fine. He's here. We, we've seen his star. We know from the prophecy. We know from what Daniel has been sharing with us all these years. Man, this is the season. I want it to be an inspirational time. Again, I, I, know, I know for some it's a difficult season. I understand that. But what if you laid aside the struggles, the difficulties that you are facing or navigating in your life right now? And you said, Lord, this is a story that brings me so much hope and inspiration. That that Jesus Christ, his birth is what brought God to man. And a few months from now, we will celebrate Easter, which in Mark, which in Easter, we celebrate the fact that his, his death is what brings man to God. He makes room for us. What a time to, to let this renew our, our intimacy. Oh, we'll sing Silent Night. Yes, I'm not, I'm not against that. But what about I Surrender All? What about starting as this year winds down, every, every time you look at your calendar and you start saying, hey, listen, Sunday's coming, Thursday's coming. Well, what, whatever, whatever day you worship, and say, Lord, that's the day that I have an intention that I'm going to worship Him. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com.
Have a blessed week.